Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. Uh, I have embarked on a series uh, simply called The 21 Truths uh, and Thoughts of How We Could Live a Breakthrough Life. Now, all of us have something in our lives that we could break through into the next level, you know, break through the door uh, that seemed to be locked, uh, break through into the secrets that you never knew, uh, but today you can know it uh, because God has got secrets He wants to reveal to us. It's sometimes called the secrets of the kingdom, the secrets of God. God is the God of so much more. And He wants not only to reveal it to us, He wants to pour it out and bless us with His amazing blessings that can only be found in and through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so uh, I started, as I said, on the first Sunday of January uh, and we've been going on. I said to you that we have 21 of these truths and thoughts uh, to uh, listen to and to receive as truths that can set us free. Uh, But uh, I have so far uh, only done nine and by the grace of God, I will do another three and possibly uh, plus one, uh, making it the first 13. So the first batch that I would like to present to you is 13 truths and thoughts, and then the second batch will be eight of those truths and thoughts. Now, whether or not I uh, get to continue to do it next Sunday or not, we'll see by the grace of God. If I could, I would, and then hopefully we'll finish it in two or three weeks' time. Um, But um, I gave you a scripture, uh, and I hope all of you can remember this scripture. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. It says here in the Word of God, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, it's called a good fight, as I told you last Sunday, because it is a fight of faith. You know, we fight every day uh, over something and, or, or for something. Uh, you know, sometimes it's a good fight, sometimes it's not a good fight. Sometimes it's fighting with our spouse and that's not a good fight. But sometimes it could also be a good fight if it's fought fairly and that fight brings us closer together. You who are married know what I'm saying. Uh, It's not a good fight if we are fighting with our children or our children are fighting with the parents. I pray there will be peace in your home. Uh, It's not a good fight if you're just only, uh, you know, uh, fighting for a cause that has no eternal value. Some of you could also be fighting a fight in, uh, you know, the political scene uh, and uh, fighting a fight uh, in between parties, etc., uh, etc. Et or you're fighting a fight in your company, uh, you know, maybe it's a fight between directors, I don't know. But you know, uh, some fights are bad and worthless, but some fights are good fights, especially if those fights have got to do with your faith. And what is faith? The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So faith really is us trying to live out God's Word and God's way. We want to live God's will in our lives. But there are many things that come our way. Many temptations, many distractions, and they are all there every day. Sometimes a few, sometimes many. And what these distractions and temptations and testings and trials are there for is to try to get us to stop fighting the good fight, to give up, to hang our gloves as it were. Uh, But you know, there is a fight that's called good and it's a good fight because it's a fight of faith. It's, It's a fight worth fighting for because you are wanting, you and I are wanting to obey the word of the Lord and let nothing stop you from fighting that good fight also uh, from finishing the race. The race is also a race of faith. And in the end, the one who wins is the one who can keep the faith. Praise the Lord. Now, I want to go into, as it were, my final three points uh, coming from the first batch of 13. And before I go into that, uh, I want to review with you the first nine, shall we? So the top three of all top threes are these. To love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, 
with all your soul, mind, and strength. The key word is all. The second one is to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. The third one is to serve the Lord with all your heart. As the Bible says, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. Now we go into the next three. The next three is simply this. Number one, it is to put God first in everything and always. Put God first. He is our first love. Number two is to always prioritize your quiet time or sometimes known as devotion. That is so, so important, friends. Number three is to always only give God your best. Remember, God only gave us His best, Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son. Now, I should actually be numbering it as one, two, three, four, five, six. So the sixth one I just mentioned to you was to give God only our best. So let's move into the next top three, which is seven, eight, nine. The seventh one is never stop believing. It's so important. Never, no matter what comes your way, believe in what God told you. Believe in God, what God showed you. Believe in the Word of God, no matter what the world says. Believe in the promises of God, for they are yes and amen. Number eight is never stop forgiving. I said to you last week that forgiveness is a choice for sure, but it's not an option. Never have unforgiveness as an option on your table. It's really not worth it, friends. And number nine is never stop learning, okay? Never stop learning. Last week, uh, you know, I was here in DVCC and, uh, you know, I'm very used to giving to God uh, through cash, putting it into an envelope. I've done that now for 30 years and I love doing that because it's money set aside. I can actually set aside even the notes, and put it aside, you know, saying to the Lord, just like how in the old times, you know, God wanted that lamb that was not blemished. You know, He wanted that dove. He wanted, he wanted His people not just to give Him the thing, but to set it apart. Setting it apart, preparing it before you even come to church is a very powerful thing. And I said to you, church, before, that preparation is even more important than presentation. You know, if you are preparing for a marathon, you prepare longer than you present. Uh, if you are preparing for an exam, you prepare longer than you present. If you are preparing to preach, you're preparing longer than you present. God is really after the preparation of our hearts, even more than the presentation. Even, you know, when you're preparing for worship, the worship team prepares. They only do it for 20 minutes, half an hour, but you know how long they had to prepare? They had to pray for the songs. They had to practice. Preparation of the heart is what God is after. He's always looking at our hearts. So, you know, I love setting aside my tithe and my offering to the Lord. But, uh, you know, I too have to learn because uh, with only five people here uh, allowed uh, by government SOP, you know, there was not going to be an extra person who could come to me with a bag. They did that for a couple of weeks, even a couple of months during the CMCO uh, moment. But, uh, you know, uh, they told me, they warned me, Pastor, I know you like to give uh, into the bag because you have set something aside for the Lord. But, you know, sorry, Pastor, we can't do that. There's not an extra hand. I said, it's okay because what? Never stop learning. And so I had to learn to also transfer money uh, through online. And I walked up to Shirley, who was uh, the interpreter, the translator for the 8 a.m. Uh, worship service. And she said, okay, pastor, this is the account number. And I was fiddling, fiddling around with my uh, phone. And, uh, you know, some people take 30 seconds to do it. I probably took about five minutes to do it. But I finally did it because, hey, listen, it's not that you have to be perfect with technology but never, never stop learning. So before I get into the final top three, which is, uh, you know, uh, 10, 11, and 12, uh, I want to, first of all, touch on something really, really key. A scripture that is found in 1 Kings. 1 Kings 3, 3. The Bible says Solomon loved the Lord 
walking in the statutes of his father David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Now, if you remember Solomon, he was blessed by God to be the wisest king, if not the wisest man on the face of the earth. Never were anyone like Solomon before him and never will there be anyone like Solomon after him. That's what the Bible says. But not only was Solomon blessed with wisdom, he was also blessed with great wealth. And there was none who was ever and will probably ever be richer than Solomon, King Solomon, the son of King David. Now, he was really, really blessed and God really, really loved him. In fact, it says in this scripture, 1 Kings 3.3, 3, that Solomon also loved the Lord. And not only that, he walked in the statutes of his father David. And so I want to say to you, as I gave you the first of all top trees, that is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, um, it is important and it is Good, but realize that even Solomon, who loved the Lord and walked in his father's father David's uh, teaching, it still had in this scripture, in this very verse, the word "accept," except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. You know. <laughs> it is real and very true that even those of us who say we love the Lord, we can have accepts in our lives. And those accepts are the very thing that cause us to fall short of the glory of God. It's the very thing that caused Solomon to fall short of the glory of God. You see, Solomon started very well, but he did not finish very well. In fact, he was disloyal, the Bible said, uh, you know, just a couple of chapters after chapter 3, I believe it was chapter 11, you could check it out for yourself, Solomon turned away from the Lord. In fact, the Bible says his wives and his concubines, not porcupines, but concubines, turned his heart away from his God. You can start very well. You can love the Lord. But if you have an accept in your life, you need to be careful. And that's why I had to give you more than three. I am now going to give you 12, if not 13, and altogether 21. Because there are areas in our lives, even though I know you love the Lord, and you know I love the Lord, but you've got to be careful of the accepts. You know, I will forgive everyone except Him. You know. Uh, I will uh, obey every command of God except that command. You know, I, I, I will uh, pray to God about everything else except who my girlfriend and boyfriend should be. You know, God can touch anything else in my life except this area. God, you have uh, no say in who I marry. You know, God, you can tell me everything else, but I want to migrate to another country because I don't like this country. I want to go. And I'm not going to pray about that because this is my desire. God, you can touch anything else, but you will never be able to speak into this part of my life. God, you will not touch this part. Never, never, ever allow and accept because you, it might seem very innocent today, but it's the very thing that will destroy you and me. Do not have accepts. Do not say, I love the Lord, except I have this bad, bad habit. You know, uh, you know I have a secret life or a double life. I'm living everything else fine. But this very one thing nobody knows is a secret life. Don't have an accept. But Solomon had and accept. So it's not enough just to love the Lord and to you know, know your Father's ways and to walk in them. It is not to have any accept. So in the name of Jesus, I pray all of us, just pausing for a moment, let us lift up our accepts to the Lord. No matter how difficult it is, no matter how painful it is, let's lift up our accepts to the Lord. Amen. Let's get into point 10 now. Stay faithful. Amen? Stay faithful. You know, yesterday, I had a chance to go on a Zoom uh, discussion 
with the worship leaders, some of them, uh, of X Church and some of the music directors and some of uh, the team leaders who help us with Extreme and the musicians. And we had a really, really good two and a half hours of just, you know, discussing and downloading from the Lord. And the final question that was asked to all of us, especially to the extremists who were online with us, you know, what would you want to say to the group or even to the next generation of musicians in X Church? And one of our leaders said, to be faithful. Simply just to be faithful with the little things. Amen. I thought it was so good. Extreme. And all of us, be faithful. Even with the little things, especially with the little things. God says, if you are faithful with the little things, I will give you greater things to do. You know, it was D.L. Moody, I think, who said, many of us want to do great things for God. But very few of us want to do the little things. It is the little things that matter. Stay faithful, friends. I hope that parents out there are taking notes and ready to pass on these truths and thoughts to their children, especially when they are going you know, out of town, overseas to study. You know, if they can just keep to these truths and thoughts that I'm giving to you right now, they will succeed. They will be blessed and prosper that they will love the Lord their God with all their hearts and have no accepts in their lives, but they will continue to follow the teachings of our Father and their own earthly father as well, like Solomon was to Father David. And this is one more thing I want to tell you. Faithfulness will get you far. It will not only get you far, it will get you to the end, holding on to the baton of faith. Now, uh, you know, I want to just share with you some scripture before I move on. Matthew 25, 23. The Bible says, His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Now, it's amazing that in Scripture, we already have a glimpse, everyone. A glimpse of our reward at the end. And that is that we will be told by God, I pray that all of us will receive this from the Lord. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Now God, out of all the words He could use, use good and faithful. Now I've taught this church before that to me, what good means is this. Remember the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, good teacher. And then Jesus said back to the rich young ruler, why do you call me good? Only God is good. So this is how I interpret it. If God is looking at you now and saying, well done, my good servant, is he not saying that I see myself in you? Because if only God is good and God says you are good, is it not that He sees Himself, that God is in you, He sees the God in you. He sees Jesus. That's why in our lives as a Christian here on earth, you know, we live every day trying to be more and more like Christ. That is our ultimate goal to be more like the Son of God, to be more like Jesus in every way so that when we come before the Lord, he will see his son. And he will say, well done, my good, because he, he can see himself reflected in you and me. How cool, how awesome will that be? But not only did he stop at good, he said faithful. To tell us that although he could have chosen many other wonderful words, that faithfulness is really very, very important to God. You know, he didn't say, well done, my good and good-looking servant. Otherwise, we'll spend most of our time looking good. He didn't say, well done, my good and rich servant. Otherwise, it's right that we spend all our time making money. He didn't say, you know, well done, my good and strong servant. 
Otherwise, we should spend most of our time at the gym, strengthening our bodies and having all the muscles, even muscles on our muscles. But he said, well then, my good and faithful, meaning that faithfulness above everything else is key and priority and important to God. What does 2 Timothy 2.13 say? 2 Timothy 2.13 has these very simple words to tell us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful. He cannot deny Himself. Wow, I love that, don't you? He cannot deny Himself just means this is God's DNA. And no matter what we do or don't do, God cannot change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. And the one thing about God is that He is faithful. And even when we are faithless, He remains faithful. You know, when I was a younger Christian, I used to, you know, think that, you know, yes, God has got so many attributes, right? He's a God of love. He's a God of kindness. He's the God of generosity. He's the God who forgives. He's the God who, you know, defends and fights for us. The God who is patient, slow to anger. He's a jealous God. He's a good God. And so there are many attributes. I can go on and on. He's provider. He's protector. But then I ask, very early on in my Christian life, God, if I could just say one thing to summarize you, one attribute that is most important to you, what would that be? And you know what God put on my heart? Faithfulness. If I ask you that question, what would be the number one attribute? Some of you might say, love, God is love. But I, know, I now know why God said it's faithfulness. Because even for God to continue to love you, He has to be faithful. Even for God to continue to provide for you, He has to be faithful. Even for God to continue to protect you, He has to be faithful. For God to remain patient, He has to be faithful. For God to be trusted, He has to be faithful in order for us to trust Him. He has to be consistent in and out and forever, no matter what happens to us or not. Our God is faithful. Hallelujah! Faithfulness is what keeps us knowing, believing and confident that our God means what He says and says what He means that our God will not backtrack or shortchange or renegade on His promises which are yes and amen. Oh, faithfulness is really the key, guys. Men, let me tell you this. Faithfulness is so important in our lives. It's not about the questions that you have that you need answered and they must be answered before you will be faithful. It's not the issues that you have in your life that all of them must be solved and solved now before you would be faithful. It's not a, you know, a, a place of perfection that you have to come into, coming to a perfect church or a perfect company of having a perfect family, you know. The white picket fence dream home <laughs> before you can be faithful. In fact, can I tell you this? That faithfulness doesn't even start until there is a temptation or an offer to be unfaithful. You know, faithfulness doesn't even kick in when we actually like what we do, when we actually love our job. Faithfulness doesn't even need to be in existence because when you love your job, you get up in the morning. And some of you, don't even need an alarm clock. Some of you have to be told to stop working because you're working all the way until 
the nighttime because you love it so much. When we love what we do, when we like what we do at least, when we like people, you know, when, we, when our marriage is going on well, when our kids are dream kids, you know, who don't answer back. <laughs> when everything seems fine, faithfulness is not even needed. But when faithfulness is really needed is when you are in that situation you're in right now. Where there are questions, there's a big why at the front of your forehead. And yet you say, God, even though there is no fruit on the branches, even though this is not happening the way I hoped and that is not happening the way I prayed, I will be faithful. Even though there's every reason for me to leave where God called me, where God said to me, stay here, I brought you here. I led you here and you know in the peace of your heart, in the depths of your heart that you belong here, that you should continue here. And there'll be temptations and even offers that will come whispering into your ear. There's a better place, there's a better way. Or maybe you're offended about something or by somebody and you just can't stand it anymore. The word of the Lord says to us, stay faithful. Some of you want to migrate. <laughs> My voice sometimes gives up here and there because I'm passionate. I want to speak to you. I wish sometimes I can go into your room and just, you know, hold you by the shoulders and say, listen to the word of the Lord. Faithfulness shall be rewarded. I'm telling you, it will be rewarded. I've never seen God not reward faithfulness. Yeah, sometimes it takes time. Yeah, sometimes it takes a lot of time and that's why some of you have given up. You look up to God and say, where God? Where? How? How long? You know? In fact, there are many instances in the Bible where the servants of God said, how long God? How long? Now I want to give you uh, another word uh, for faithful and it's found in Matthew 24, 7 to 14. Uh, I, I only just got this from the Lord. This morning in my quiet time, the Holy Spirit wanted me to also make sure that I don't miss out this scripture. And what does the Bible say? And it's a really good, apt scripture because it speaks about the life and the times we're living in. Even this pandemic, you know, it was already prophesied by Jesus, pestilences and plagues and wars and earthquakes, they will come. You know, we, 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 we're not to be surprised of the times we're living in. So the Bible says, Matthew 24, verse 7, For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are just the beginning. Oh my God! The beginning only of sorrows. Verse 10, says many will be offended. Listen, people, we're living in the days where it's very easy to get offended. I don't know why. Why so easy to get offended? But it's prophesied. So we shouldn't be surprised that the day will come when we turn left, turn right. It'll be very difficult to find anyone who's not offended. Now, it's okay to be offended, but you must forgive. And that's why I told you last week, never stop forgiving because offense will come. In fact, Jesus says, it is impossible. Check it out in the Word of God. It's found there in Scripture. It is impossible that offenses don't come. And so the Bible says in the last days, it's not just pandemic and COVID-19. Offenses, I tell you, will be even worse than COVID-19 because COVID-19 can only kill the body. And yet, not many People, in fact, I should say, not everyone has died from COVID-19. More people have been healed from COVID-19. But there's a worse plague that's coming and it's the plague of the heart. Offenses can kill you. It can become like cancer, eating you up even without symptoms. And you end up, and I end up a loser. We end up like Solomon, started well, but end in a place that's not just bad, but sad. Please don't get there. I love you too much. 
If you're part of X Church, I don't want anyone in X Church to ever suffer that, but offences will come and we will betray one another and we will hate one another. But verse 13 says, He who endures, come on, He who endures to the end shall be saved. Hallelujah! The word for us today is endure. Endure, my friends, endure. Yes, the questions are not answered. Yes, it's taking some time. Yes, the issues are still there. Yes, it's not perfect yet. But please, please, I'm looking at all three cameras now. Please, endure, endure, endure. That's how we're going to finish, guys. Those who endure during this COVID-19 pandemic, you and I are going to not only survive, we're going to thrive, I tell you, in Jesus' name and for the glory of God. Endure. Another word for endurance is to finish. Let us be finishers, not just beginners but finishes. Oh, how good it is. The feeling of finishing a task, finishing a job, finishing, you know, a project, finishing a race. You know, some of us, in fact, most of us find it easy to celebrate, right? When somebody finishes a marathon or a race, and come in first. You know, it's natural, normal for everyone to clap. And we're happy. But nothing moves us. I said nothing moves us the way someone might come in last. I just watched a few Olympic videos, marathon videos. Coming in last but because they had something bad happen to them along the way someone I watched one video came out from the crowd and pushed this marathon runner to the ground he was actually number one he was winning already pushed him to the ground and he injured himself and he decided to get up the ambulance was already ready to take him into the ambulance and to the hospital. He decided, come on people, you know what I'm saying. He decided to finish. Yes, we clap for the winner. Yes, we put the medal on the winner. But you know, it is those people that in spite of and despite of they are finishers. And you know, we not only clap and cheer, in fact, even wait in the stadium because we are told that an accident just happened and yet this runner continues to run and we stay back in the stadium. And you know, the winner may have gotten our clap and our, you know, cheer, but this last runner... <laughs> gets our standing ovation and it moves. I said, it moves something in us like the winner did not get to move because you know what? God made us all the same. He made us with a spirit to endure, to run the second mile, to keep going even though the lights are being turned off at the stadium. The lights in God's stadium will never be turned off. He's waiting for you and the crowd, the great cloud of witnesses, as Hebrews says, is waiting. Oh my God, we are moved to tears, aren't we? When we see such spirit. Every reason to have stepped out, opted out, given up. Nobody would have blamed him or her. 
You think that nobody also would have blamed us because we come from a broken family like me. Didn't know my mom from the time I was born. My dad was on drugs. I have a stepmom who loves me, came in a bit later in my life and I thank God for her. And some people can't work with their stepmoms, but thank God I can. But, you know, we can have all these kind of stuff. Luggage, baggage, burdens that we carry. And we say, woe is me. We suffered an accident along the way. But I'm telling you right now, the lights are still on for you in Jesus' name. And people are still waiting for you. Keep running. Be faithful. Stay faithful, please. Stay faithful. Endure, I'm telling you right now. And you shall surely finish. Endure to the end. And you and I will finish in Jesus' name. Let me pause for a moment and just look into the prayer needs. None have come in so far. So let me go on. Point number 11. Stay humble. Yes, stay humble. James 4.10. James 4.10 says, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. Stay humble. You know, God knows that is a good feeling to be lifted up. He knows it. We know it. And that's why in the Bible, it promises that when we humble ourselves in the sight of God, it is He who will lift us up. Somebody say, Amen. Because God knows that it is a good thing for us to be lifted up. He said He will lift us up, but it is Him who will lift us up. Amen. The problem is, because lifting up feels so good that we forget that God has already promised that He wants to lift us up, that we reject that thought or we forget that thought and instead, we look for men and women to lift us up. And there's a problem there because while it feels very, very good and God knows it as well, if we wait for men and women to lift us up, Yes, they can and yes, they will. Oh my God, will they lift you up. <laughs> they will lift you up so high, but because it's men and women doing it, beware. <laughs> because as high as you have gone, so as low you could fall and great will be that fall. In fact, there's a scripture that says in Proverbs 16, 18, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. That's right. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Do you know what it means? It means like if you're standing by the roadside and you're waiting for, for something, maybe you're waiting to see the queen or you're waiting to see the king or you're waiting to see the prime minister or you're in some other country, you're waiting to see the president, the new president, you know, and you don't know when he'll come. But you know, you know, because before the main car comes, you know, the outriders will come. And so the outriders will show you what's coming. And the Bible says it's pride that comes before a fall. And so if you can see pride in your life, you know what's coming next. So please avoid it like it was a plague, please. You know how, how some, some people are avoiding COVID-19 now? You know, you won't dare stand near a person, you put the mask, you don't want to go out. Avoid pride like it was a plague that can kill. God will lift us up. Come on, let God lift us up. It's a great feeling when God lifts you up. I want to say this to you because when God lifts you up, He doesn't intend to throw you down. Are you all with me? Whether you're retired or not, you know, people are like this. When you're in power, everybody wants to lift you up. And then suddenly you lose your power, lose your position, gone, you're a nobody. But not with God. 
And God lifts us up. <laughs> we keep going up and up and up until we are with Him in heaven. Amen. God doesn't intend to throw us down. God doesn't intend to put us down. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let God lift you and me up. You know, back to the same meeting that I had with my worship leaders and musicians yesterday, one of them said to stay humble. Pastor, she said, when I was young, I you know, started to worship lead in my church back in my hometown. And one day my father came into my room and said, dear daughter, I can see that pride has come into your life ever since you started to worship lead. And uh, she said when she came to X Church, she decided not to join the worship team for a while to make sure that her heart was right. And I can tell you this, that you can love the Lord and still be proud. Yeah. You can even be serving God and not realize that pride has filled your heart. It's not about Jesus. It's not about others. It's about you, about how you look. It's about the songs you choose. It's about how perfect the band is. And I'm not knocking excellence because God loves the spirit of excellence. And excellence is not perfection. Excellence is improvement. And that you keep on improving. That's the spirit of excellence. Keep on improving. Keep on getting better. But pride can come in even when we're serving the Lord. And so during this time that I was speaking with and having a really good discussion with my worship leaders and music directors and team leaders, I was reminded by the Lord that this is how praise and worship really started in the Old Testament. You know, when Israel went out to war, before Israel went out, you know, they prayed, they prayed, they said, God, what do you want us to do? And God said, the first tribe that should go out is the tribe of Judah. And many of you know that Judah means praise. So we take that to mean, with God, praise must go out first. And that's why in most, if not all our meetings, praise and worship begins the meeting. But I can tell you this, that praise Judah, the tribe, went out not facing a friendly congregation. In fact, most, if not all times, they were going out to face the enemy. And so guess what? You see, Judah was also filled with human beings, people. And people are nervous, people are scared, aren't they, when they are about to face a vicious enemy. And Judah, I'm sure, must have the night before prayed like they never prayed before. They must have cleansed their hearts before the Lord, purified their minds, making sure that the enemy has no claim, no open door, no crack in their lives that he could shoot an arrow into. They must have forgiven everyone, you know. They must have made sure that, you know, are we all alright? Are we all alright? Are you good with me? You know, have you forgiven me? I, I'm going to forgive you before they even go out to face the enemy because the enemy was after their blood. But God said, praise or Judah must go out first. And so I don't think even for a moment that Judah could even go out proud in any way. I'm sure that they depended on the Lord and they were looking at their God and they humbled themselves. But you see, today, praise and worship is quite different. Today, we stand before a very friendly crowd of people. Anywhere we go, a Christian fellowship in school, a friend's church, a Christian rally in the stadium, or here on Sunday in church, a very, very non-hostile crowd. And this crowd, when they look at us, you know, they have their favorite drummer. <laughs> they have their favorite guitarist. You know, let's be honest. They have their favorite worship leader. They have their favorite song. And to add to it, we've got lights. <laughs> we've got sound system that is, you know, really state of the art. 
We've got smoke machines. It looks more like a concert these days. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying, very different from where worship and praise actually started or was intended to be. And so if every worship leader and every worship team could understand this, that we go out as the frontliners, yeah, that's right, the frontliners, every Sunday, if not every meeting, we go out and I tell you, we, we don't dare be proud because we know that the enemy will eat, eat us up because God will reject the proud, you see. The Bible says very clearly, He accepts and gives grace to the humble, but He rejects the proud. Now, if God has rejected the proud, so we're going to be, we're going to be facing with an enemy that will eat us up. And so none of our worship teams will ever dare go out if they only knew what it was. It was not just standing before a friendly crowd of people who were liking you for your drum skills and your guitar skills and the lights and sound. And that's why it's very much easier today to become proud and to become worldly and to have favourites. And after a while, we don't even look different. But the days are coming when all of us who worship the Lord must worship God in spirit and in truth, also meaning that it's not going to be just on stage in church, but on the stage in life, on a stage in your office, <laughs> or in the pantry, or in the bathroom, or in the boardroom. It's a different kind of worship when you have to worship before your enemies. Amen. Praise God. Even though there are no fruits on the branches, praise God. Even though there's no wheat in the barn, praise God. Even though things are not happening your way because you know that the praises of God will open doors of miracles and supernatural signs and wonders. Hallelujah. I'm getting excited, my friends. Judah must go first. You are the frontliners. And there's no time to say favourite song and favourite singer and favourite this or that. I'm going in the name of the Lord and I could die before I come back. But I'm going out in praise. And I tell you many times, when the people went out in such humility, God was warring against the enemy and no one needed to even lift up a sword from the army of Israel because God fights for us. The battle is the Lord's. And so we continue to praise Him and to worship Him and to give Him the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Oh, no place to be proud when we are worshipping the Lord. What does Micah 6.8 say? Micah 6.8 says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require? Underline that word require in your Bibles. Require of you but to do justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. The word is require, people. The government requires that the church only has five people during the time of MCO to conduct a service. And so we strictly follow that requirement. If we could follow the requirements of people and men and governments, why can't we follow the requirement of God Almighty? And that is that we should walk humbly before the Lord. Hallelujah. I tell you, you must start to look at pride as it is. It's a stench to God. It's evil. It's ugly. The ugliest thing you've ever seen on the face of the earth. Let no pride come into your life. Say, God, I need you. You know, I just wrote a song. The song says, Jesus, you are the breath that I breathe. I wrote that song from my quiet time because I understood that even my breath comes from the Lord. <laughs> Do you know I'm breathing now? Not because there's some battery <laughs> behind my head or some electrical wire. Nothing is keeping me breathing except God who gives me breath. My lungs are filled with air from God and I breathe for Him. And I continue writing that song, not only is He the breath that I breathe, He is my every heartbeat. 12, point 12, stay focused. 
Stay focused. Let's look at Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 2. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, I told you that earlier, let us lay aside every weight, you see. Friends, it is the weight that we carry, the luggage, the baggage. Lay it aside. Lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us or entraps us. And let us run. Run with what? Come on now. You heard me earlier. Run with endurance. The race that is set before us. Looking, come on, unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. That's right. Jesus is also the finisher of what? Our faith. Who for the joy that was set before Him, He what? Endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. God wants to reward you and I like He rewarded His Son, Jesus Christ. But the way to go about it is to remain focused. Come on, people. Stay focused in the world of many distractions. In the world of many temptations and it will get from bad to worse. Stay focused. I spoke to you a lot about this in December. And so I won't go into detail. But stay focused. One of the worship leaders yesterday also said, focus on Jesus. No matter what frustrations you may have, what questions are yet to be answered, focus on Jesus. Stay focused. 1 Corinthians 7.35 says, Serve the Lord without distraction. Amen. If you want to serve the Lord, serve Him without distraction. You know, the enemy is very good at distraction. But it's not distraction that he really wants to get us to. It's deception. But before the enemy can deceive, he will distract. And if you are distracted, then he can deceive. And if he can deceive you and me, he will destroy us. Don't get there. Remain focused. It's because you can stay focused, my friends, that you can also stay faithful. Do you agree? It is the ones who can stay focused that will stay faithful. Yeah. It's very hard to stay faithful when you're not focused. Oh, look at that girl. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. No. Stay focused, men. Stay faithful. Hallelujah. And you will find yourself enduring till the very end. Praise the Lord. Now, let me look at whether there are any more prayers. None for now. Bear with me as I give you the bonus point. It's 12 points I have given you, but there's a bonus point and the Holy Spirit says, do not end without telling the people this. And this is this. Point number 13, bonus point for all of you. <laughs> Not everything is spiritual. Yeah, not everything is spiritual. Please remember that wherever you go, whoever you work with, whichever country you visit and go to study, <laughs> not everything is spiritual. Let's look at the scripture very quickly now. 1 Corinthians 9, 26 to 27. Therefore I run thus. This is Paul speaking. I run. Not with uncertainty. I fight not as one who beats the air, but... I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Why? Lest when I have preached to others, I myself have become disqualified. I should become disqualified. How do you not be disqualified? It's not just a spiritual matter. Oh, I'm disqualified. Oh, bind the devil. You know, oh, blame God. No. <laughs> the secret is to be disciplined. Those of you who want to lose weight and instead of losing weight, you have gained weight. Don't just blame the devil. It's too convenient to point to God. It's discipline, man. Come on, get up. Go for walks. Eat less. Don't drink so much fizzy drinks. Don't fill your mouth with cakes and cookies. Come on, be disciplined. Not everything is spiritual. 
Those of you who want to lose weight, get into a gym maybe. Now MCO time, you might not be able to go to a gym. You know, exercise on the spot, run on the spot, do something, man. Discipline. Those of you who want to save money for something that you want to buy, you say, oh, after two, three years, I don't just have no extra savings. I, I'm broke. <laughs> I'm owing people. Come on, be disciplined with your money. Don't blame God. Don't be so quick to even blame the devil. Don't be disqualified. Be disciplined. 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 to 12. Thessalonians is not an easy word to pronounce. But 1 Thessalonians 4, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life. Come on, everybody. A quiet life to mind your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you that you may walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. You see, friends, if you lack, don't be so quick to blame someone else. Don't be so quick to just go, okay, maybe if I just pray in tongues, I will not lack. Maybe if I just pray for three days and fast, I will not lack. Not everything is spiritual. Yes, I agree. I agree that everything can become spiritual. Like, you know, if you don't discipline yourself and then you get disqualified and then you get depressed and then you go deeper and deeper, yes, it can become spiritual. Yes, if you don't save enough money and, you know, you get into poverty and, you know, poverty can be a spirit, you know. And then, you, and then you, you know, I can go on and on. You don't take care of your health and discipline yourself. You know, you, you, you can get into a place whereby you're ill and you're sick and you're down in your spirit and you, can, you, you might want to feel like you want to end it all. And that is also spiritual. Yes, it can end up being spiritual, but not everything starts being spiritual. So if you lack, don't blame anybody for your lack. Start to live a quiet life and be responsible and mind your own business. Too many people are minding other people's business. Come on, stop it. <laughs> Some of you, you know, you might even say, oh, I'm an intercessor. And for, in the name of being an intercessor, I am allowed to be a busybody. Busy Please stop it. Or you will open a way for the enemy to come and devour you. God wants to rebuke the devourer. Don't let him come. Don't give him a crack. Don't give him an open door. Don't give him a foothold. Second Thessalonians 3 says it even more. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone will not work, whoa, whoa, neither shall he eat. That's not very spiritual. Men, Especially men, also women. I want to say before I finish this scripture, we were all made by God to work. Please understand this. For six days we are to work and the seventh day we are to rest. It's called the Sabbath. Are you all still with me? And if you break the Sabbath, don't blame God. These are laws that you cannot break. And if you're breaking it, then you better prepare for some really huge whatever. You know, I was about to say, you know, turmoil and trouble and accident. <laughs> Don't get into a crash. And I'm not, I'm not talking about a car crash. It can be a spiritual, a spiritual crash, an emotional crash. Don't break God's laws. But then on the flip side, some of us don't want to work. We're just waiting for retirement. Now, retirement is okay. I'm also retired from senior pastorship of X Church. I'm now the founding senior pastor, they call me. But when I retired from my position, and you can retire from your position, you can retire from your job, but never retire from the work that God has made you to do. Don't retire from serving the Lord. Don't retire from working. We were made to work. And I tell you what, if we don't, then we will start to lose our meaning. We'll lose our purpose. And then it will start getting spiritual because we'll get depressed. Don't get there. Find something to do and find it now. Find it quick. Men especially. Those of you who are married, listen to me, you know. Your women, you will drive them crazy. If you're just idling your time away and living out your retirement as if, you know, uh, you're dead. <laughs> you're not dead. You're still alive. Come on, everybody. Listen to me. 
So let's put that scripture back up again. Remember, okay, if you don't work, we won't eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner. For even, well, not working at all. <laughs> not working at all, but are busy bodies. Oh, can Paul be any more clearer? You might love the Lord. You might even trust in Him. You might even serve the Lord. But you can also be busy bodies. And Paul is saying, don't be a busy body. Don't get people to hate you. <laughs> you know, by getting into their affairs. Come on, let's put up the scripture one last time. Don't be busy bodies. Now those who are such, we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. 1 Timothy 5.23 No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. You know, I was really thinking twice, three times whether I should give you this scripture. Because some of you will go, yes, pastor said can drink wine. Oh! You know, I don't want to say that drinking wine is wrong. No. Because the Bible doesn't say it's wrong. The Bible only hates drunkenness and lack of self-control when it comes to alcohol. But I would rather say, if you can, avoid it, avoid it. Me and my wife, we don't drink uh, for, you know, two reasons. For me at least, for two reasons. One is God has made me in such a way whereby I'm allergic almost uh, to alcohol. And I think by God's grace, He did it so that, you know, I can remain, just focus on Him. Because I know that alcohol, you know, from what I hear, you know, it can be very tasty. <laughs> you know, it can be like, you know, when you're make, making circles in your glass, you know, it, it's like calling out to you. But the second more important reason is I'm in Malaysia and I'm called to reach also the big percentage in Malaysia that do not know Jesus. You know who I'm talking about. They are precious in God's sight and God loves them so much and Jesus Christ also died for them. But you know that with many of them, the way they see alcohol, and so I try to keep myself from that. I, I, I put control over my life so that I can easier, much more easier reach them. So we do it out of love. But why I brought this scripture up to you is because the Lord told me this morning that even Timothy, Paul had to advise him, don't just take water because you're, you have stomach problems. So your stomach problems, you need this extra bit, which is this wine that can bring healing. You know, I told you the story of how I walked in the park and for weeks and weeks I walked and it was okay and then suddenly I had a, you know, headache one morning as I was walking and I said, oh, please heal me, Lord. The next day, it became worse and by the third, fourth, fifth day, I would call it a terrible headache. I was still walking and I was praying I came to a place whereby I started to declare scripture and claim all the promises of God. You know, by His stripes, I'm made whole and all that. Wonderful, powerful scriptures. And then, you know, by the sixth, seventh, eighth day, I begin to rebuke the enemy, you know, bind the devil and cast out demons, you know, in Jesus' name. And then by the tenth day, I was still, I was, I was really closer to depression now. Why hasn't it left me? And the Lord just said, Kenneth, if you would listen, I would tell you. I said, God, tell me. He said, you haven't been drinking enough water. <laughs> you haven't been drinking enough water. You see, before I started walking all those weeks, it was okay. Whatever I was drinking was okay. But after I started, because I was losing so much liquid, every day, I had to drink double, but I wasn't. And so, really, there was not enough water, not enough oxygen. I wasn't breathing deep. And having that water, you know how water carries oxygen. And so, I said, oh Lord, if, that, if that's the only thing I will, you know. Now, not everything is spiritual, is what I'm trying to say to you. And so, I started drinking water, a lot of water. That one day, I obeyed the Lord. Okay, water, water, water. By the second day, by the third day, no more headaches. And sometimes, He might even be telling you, sleep a little bit more. You know, you've been only sleeping four hours a day, five hours a day, you know, and, and you're having all kinds of bodily aches and problems. Come on, ask God to help you sleep. 
because sleep is also from the Lord. All right, praise God. Now let's close. James 2, 17. James 2, 17. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. That's right. I'm talking about the good fight of faith. I'm talking about the race of faith. I'm talking about keeping the faith till the very end. But the Bible very clearly says that without works, without the practical, without the doing, without the obedience, faith is not just useless. Listen now, it's dead. Not everything is spiritual. It can lead to spiritual trouble, challenges. But before it gets there, I pray that you will have wisdom from God. And your children, wherever they travel, will also have wisdom. Discipline. Don't be busybodies. Work hard. Do what you need to do. Remember X-Church said this before? You and I do the possible. Let God do the impossible. Amen? You and I do our part. Let God do His part. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.